This week on Benchwarming Podcast, we're talking about the playoffs. Yes, I said it, Jim Mora, the playoffs! But not the NFL playoffs, the more controversial four-team CFP. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's college football playoff time. Who will reign supreme, who will go home empty-handed, and which university got snubbed? Stay tuned to find out. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And somebody roll the intro music. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Bench Roaring Podcast. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can now find us on almost any major platform. You got an Android and you want to listen to us on Google? We're on Google. And you want to listen to us on Apple Podcast? We're on Apple. And guess what? We're also on Spotify, so you can listen to us on either device. If you don't want to listen to us on Google or Apple, hit up Spotify. We're on all of it. We also have a few others, kind of smaller. We've got Breaker. There's Stitcher, I believe. And then we also have Pocket Casts, Radio Public. And those are just a few of them. We're still trying to get on the more, just to help you guys learn more about us and listen to our podcast on the daily. So let's just go ahead and jump on into it. In case you aren't aware, college football season ended a few weeks ago. The CFP has officially came out. You know, it's the four teams, and there's always the big drama as to who the four teams are going to be. This year, the number one seed, Bama. We kind of knew that. They were number one in the entire season. Two goes to Clemson. Three goes to the Fighting Irish and Notre Dame. And then number four, kind of the debated who's going to be in, who's going to be out. It went to the Oklahoma Sooners, Boomer Sooner. And then we had five and six of Georgia and Ohio State, just kind of the two teams that were like, are they going to get in? Are they not? Kind of sets us up to see the playoffs like this. The Cotton Bowl, which is the first of the two national semifinal games, is Clemson-Notre Dame. And then the Orange Bowl, which is the second of the two uh, semifinal games, is Bama-OU. And it sets up to be an interesting matchup. It's just kind of tough to figure out how they are going to continue to compile these playoffs and what kind of criteria they use. Because, you know, we always hear that conference championships are a big, big thing when it comes to it. They should matter. You should be able to win your conference championship if you want to play in the playoffs and play for a national title. But here we go. Again, Notre Dame still not in a conference. No conference title to be held. They did have a little bit better schedule this year. But if you're going to emphasize a conference title as much as you say you are, you need to make sure that everyone is playing for a conference title or has a chance to play for one. And you're just not going to get that with Notre Dame. You know, you had Bama, Clemson, OU all won their... Uh, conference titles. Georgia played Bama in the SEC title, so they had a chance. And then Ohio State won the conference title. Granted, it was against Northwestern, so it wasn't this big-name school. It wasn't, you know, I mean, Northwestern's still a big-name school, but it wasn't the Wisconsin battles of years past and things like that. But, you know, if we're going to focus so much on this conference title like they said we were, and, you know, there was a big controversy a few years ago when Ohio State got in but weren't playing for the conference title, and, you know, you just always have that kind of gray area of, is the conference title important? Is the conference title not important? Is it more your type of opponents throughout the year, or what is it? Like, There's just so much that they say goes into it that we don't really have an idea about. 
because they say they take in conference titles, strength of schedule, strength of opponents throughout the year, and just a bunch of things like that. But then they go out and always make the big statement of make sure you're winning a conference title in order to get in. And it's not like Notre Dame's not in conferences for other sports. You know, they're in the ACC for basketball. They have a good hockey team and they're in the Big Ten for hockey. Like they are in other conferences. It's just their football team is still an independent football team. And it makes no sense to me that we can go out and be saying, hey, win your conference title, and then you get a shot at winning the national title, and always have just kind of this asterisk next to Notre Dame and be like, well, they're not in a conference, but, you know, they've beaten some good teams. We either need to say, yes, we need to have a conference title. No, we don't need to have a conference title. Or if you're really going to emphasize the conference title, it needs to be at least, yes, you played for a conference title, and no, you didn't play for a conference title, because obviously there's going to be times where a good team will play for a conference title and lose. Example one, this year, Georgia is a good team. They played Bama really well in that SEC title game, but they fell short. They gave up the comeback for Bama, and that's, to me, the biggest reason why they didn't get in is because they did have that lead, and then they blew it. If they wouldn't have held a lead for such a long time in the game, essentially the entire game, and they would have you know, lost by three points, but they were trailing the whole game. I think it may have looked a little bit different. I still think OU probably would have gotten in just because they avenged their only loss of the season to Texas, and they did win their conference title. But I do think that it would have been looked at differently because Georgia would have been, you know, always trying to fight for it, whereas they saw, you know, they put up a fight against Bama, and their best fight was not enough to hold Bama back. And in the end... I think that OU offers the best shot at beating Bama. It might sound a bit strange, you know, because OU does not have a good defense by any stretch of the measure. You know, they were giving up crazy numbers throughout the season. Same thing that we always see for Big 12. But I think that OU offers the best shot because of their offense. I think that if you're going to beat Bama, it's not going to be at a defensive game because... You know, one thing that Bama has always been relatively underrated but always really good at is their defense. And I think that if you're going to try and play a defensive game against them, you're going to lose 9 out of 10 times just because their offense is always just good enough to put up enough points to where their defense will win them the game. But for OU, they've got this high-powered offense. They've got Trey Sermon and uh, Brooks is their other young running back along with the quarterback who just won the Heisman Kyler Murray who's out there chucking passes up to Lamb and uh, I can't remember the rest of their they have a white tight end Calcaterra and this offense is going to put up points and in the end I think that that is how you're going to beat Bama you're not going to beat them by playing the best defense because in the end their defense is just going to be good enough to where their offense can win But if you have a strong offense like OU, you're going to beat them offensively. That's how it's going to happen. And out of these three other teams between Clemson, Notre Dame, and OU, OU clearly has the best offense. I think that they probably have had one of the better offenses we've seen in the NCAA recently. And, you know, it's just, it may just be the conference that they play in. Maybe they get out of this conference and they go play Bama and they look terrible because, you know, The Big 12, like I'll touch on later, is a video game conference. 
But I don't think that that's the case. I think we see that with back-to-back Heisman winners coming from OU, and I think that their quarterback play has been amazing, and I think that that will help lead them into the playoffs, whether or not it leads them to a championship. I'm not truly sure, but I think that'll be the best matchup that we could have gotten. I think that, you know, everyone wanted to see Bama, Ohio State, just because that would be a great storyline. And, you know, Bama, Georgia was probably number two on their list. They wanted to see a rematch and, you know, it's always good games, Alabama, Georgia. And then I think OU is probably at the bottom of the list because, you know, outside of OU fans, not a whole lot of people wanted to see the Sooners, I feel like. They just wanted to see one of those other two matchups because it offered that storyline that OU just does not have to offer against Bama. But in the end, like I've said time and time again, I think that this year they did get it right by putting in Oklahoma. I do think that they deserved it going out and avenging their only loss of the season against Texas in the conference championship game for the Big 12. And I think that, like I said, they have continually put up the numbers to prove that they have a very prolific offense. And it's just one of those things where I think that they were looking at that more than they were looking at anything else that they had to offer for those other two teams because I'm not really 100% sure what made them choose OU other than the fact that, you know, they did come back and beat Texas and that kind of avenged their one loss, like I said, whereas Ohio State lost badly to a team that barely even got bowl eligible. So who really knows? I'm not part of that committee. If I was, things would be a lot different. Notre Dame would not be in there until they're in a conference because... They haven't won a stinking conference title, and we always hear them saying this is what's important, like I've continued to preach on. But yeah, Notre Dame wouldn't be in there, and I would probably put Ohio State in over Georgia. OU would be three, Ohio State would be four, just because of kind of things I've talked about recently. You know, OU got their conference title, avenged their loss. Ohio State won the conference title, but still have that really ugly loss. Despite the fact that they destroyed Michigan, I think that we would have seen Ohio State at four and OU at three and Notre Dame would have been at five but that's not how they did it we're gonna sit back and hope that this turns out for them the way they want it to and that they get a interesting college football playoffs I guess and you know we sit back and I kind of talked about how Bama's been number one but you know did they really deserve it they've been at number one all year and it's not necessarily that I think Bama deserved it it's just that Clemson earned the two seed more than Bama earned the one seed because let's be honest, the ACC is just, it's sad. You know, it's, it's a sad football conference, the basketball side of it. Yes, they're good. Not going to sit here and deny that, but the football side of it, you know, it's just sad. You look at kind of the big wins for each of the teams in the playoffs and you had Bama, they went out and beat Texas A&M, which was a big win. They shut out LSU, which is always nice. And then in the championship game, they played Georgia. But then you look outside those games, and they really didn't play a whole lot of highly ranked opponents. You know, Mississippi State was ranked, I believe, 18th when they played them, and they won. But then you have teams like Louisiana Lafayette and all these other teams that just, they just don't have the wow factor on them. They just aren't good to me. But, you know, there's always going to kind of be an issue with going with scheduling and things like that and looking at scheduling just because of how short the college season actually is with there not being, you know, 16 games. 
there's just not that extra aspect of going out and being able to go against all these bigger schools because all the schools want these smaller name teams to start their season out with, you know, Bama always wants to play Louisiana Lafayette and the Citadel and all these weaker teams, just like the other teams do, because who wants to start your season off with a loss against a better team? Like that just kind of ruins everything for the season. But those are the kind of the big wins for Bama. And I kind of got off onto a rant there. If you get into Clemson's big wins, they beat NC State that was ranked for a little bit. I'm not sure if they were ranked in the final polls. They beat Boston College, which was ranked at some point in the season. And then really after that, you have such a big drop off in the ACC schools. Like I said, is that the ACC football conference just sucks, to be honest with you. And after BC and NC State, you really don't have a big win. So I kind of said that their third kind of signature win of the year was Syracuse. And I put a question mark next to it because... Syracuse was a decent team throughout the year. They were ranked. They fell out of the rankings. And it's just tough, which is why, in the end, like I said, I think that Clemson deserves the two seed more than Bama deserves the one just because they don't have that strong conference. They don't have that schedule. And that's kind of what played into the hand of me not thinking that Notre Dame should be two. In the end, the two, three seeds really don't matter because, I mean, you're still playing the same team, whether it's two or three. And I think that in the end, it was always Clemson or Notre Dame for two and three. I think that's what played into the issue with Notre Dame is that they're not in that conference like I've talked about. So they don't have these signature wins against a strong conference team. They're not playing in the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12 and playing teams like Texas or Michigan, Ohio State, like they played, okay, they played Michigan and won. That was week one. And then they played Stanford and Virginia Tech. Those were kind of like their three signature wins on the year. All teams were ranked and all teams were a tough task at some point in the season, especially when Notre Dame was playing them. But I feel like that's kind of what really affects Notre Dame with not being in a conference is that they're not going out and seeing a hard schedule because Once you get into the conference season, a lot of these teams aren't going to want to play out-of-conference games against a team like Notre Dame. Whereas if you're in a conference like the SEC or the Big Ten, and you are going to see a team like Ohio State and Michigan and possibly Penn State if you were to play for the Big Ten, or a team like, you know, Clemson, or, you know, if you were in the SEC, it'd be Bama, LSU, Georgia, uh, Texas A&M, you know, you have those teams that you know you're going to see at some point, and that really, really affects Notre Dame's schedule in the end, and it really affects their seeding, I feel like. It kind of limits what their ceiling is. That's going to be tough to ever get to that number one spot for them nowadays just because of that lack of schedule strength consistency, you know. They're, play- they're going out and playing games against Michigan and Stanford, but then they're playing small mid-level schools in these conferences just because they need schedule fillers like there's nothing that they can do about it and that's going to continue to hurt them just like not having a conference title I feel like should hurt them but in the end we don't see that you know in the end they get put in because it's an undefeated Notre Dame team and how are you going to leave an undefeated Notre Dame team out of the playoffs next thing that I kind of look at here is OU's schedule and why I think that they got in over Georgia. You kind of look at, you know, the conference titles, obviously, but then you look at OU's schedule. 
they went out and beat Texas after losing to them, and that's huge to go out and beat a team that just barely squeaked by you earlier in the season because that kind of gives the other team momentum and it gives them just this kind of extra edge on you because they say, oh, we beat you earlier in the season, we're going to do it again. So going back and beating Texas was huge for OU, and I feel like that's what pushed them in over teams like Georgia and Ohio State. They also beat a West Virginia team, which had been highly ranked for most of the season. I believe they were in the top 10 for most of the season until towards the end of the season when they lost a few games. And then they beat Army, which Army wasn't ranked, but Army was a really good football team this year. They had a really strong defense, and I mean, that that's a huge win to go in and have to play a different type of football like they did. It was a low-scoring game. They went to overtime. And I feel like that's just kind of a signature win for them because, like I said, it is that different style of football that they're not used to playing in the Big 12, which is a video game conference where they went out and scored 30, 40 points a game. They had to go out and they kind of had to grit their way to a win and grind down the clock and beat Army at a game that they aren't used to playing. So that's that's kind of a look at each of the four teams' big wins and why I think where they got where they are and why they kind of deserve where they are. I wouldn't necessarily say that Bama deserves number one. I don't think that they were really that much better than everyone else and that everyone's kind of putting them up on this pedestal of being the super strong Bama team again. I just think that they kind of are missing that one extra game or two maybe. Probably just one, you know, take out the Citadel and replace them with a team that's going to play well. Take them out. And replace them with a team like Notre Dame, who you know would come in and give you a fight. You know, it's just, in the end, Clemson deserved, like I said, Clemson deserved number two more than Bama deserved number one. That's why Clemson got into two and Bama got into one. So I'm going to kind of use that to kind of bounce off as to why I think that, you know, it's tough to gauge these conference titles with as much emphasis as we're giving them. And it's tough to kind of, like, put them on this pedestal because... SEC might have a higher amount of good teams at the top, but I feel like the drop-off from the good teams in the SEC to the bad teams is just a severe drop-off. You know, you go from teams like Georgia and Bama this year, you know, Florida and Kentucky was surprisingly good, but then you have this big drop-off, and it never fails. You always have some of these lower teams. You know, in previous years, it's always been Kentucky you know, this might be, this is the first time in recent memory for me that Kentucky's football team has actually been ranked and had a winning season. And, you know, you always have that team down there at the bottom that just honestly is one of the worst teams in the country, no matter how you look at it. And that's why I feel like, you know, the SEC does get a lot of praise because those good teams are good teams. And I'm not going to deny that. You know, when you have Bama and Georgia this year, LSU was good. You know, you typically have at least three teams from the SEC that are top 10 or 12 good. Like, they're always going to have those three teams just because, you know, I feel like that's kind of how it is. And the day that that drops off will be a shock. But I feel like, like I said, that drop off is kind of what makes the SEC the second best conference. And, you know, I say the big conference that we always should look at, but always gets kind of looked over and it's the flyover conference because it's in the, you know, Midwest and everything is the Big Ten. I just feel like it's the toughest conference to play on the road. I was born and raised in Big Ten country and I've watched a lot of Big Ten football growing up and it never fails. There's always at least one game for the top team in the Big Ten. They have to travel outside of their home football stadium and play and they just 
look bad on the road because the Big Ten is easily the toughest conference to play on the road in. You look at it this year, you had Ohio State, Michigan, easily one of the most hyped games of the year. And Michigan was coming into Ohio and, you know, you were expecting a good game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get charged up from that crowd. Michigan was undefeated. Michigan had lost the one game to Notre Dame. Sorry, they weren't undefeated. I just about said that. But they had came in. They were riding a hot streak. They were one of the better defenses in the country. And all of a sudden, Ohio State just obliterates them and beats them, puts up 60 points and everything. And that's kind of the key calling card of this conference is you're always going to have that one team that comes in under fire because they're one of the top teams in what's supposed to be one of the best divisions as everyone calls it but I feel like is the tough division not necessarily the best division you know we saw it Penn State Ohio State Ohio State went in to uh, Penn State huge game big implications Penn State had been playing well all year and they played well for the most part throughout the rest of the year and then they lose you know it it's tough to win on the road. So when you go out and you do win on the road, like Ohio State did at Penn State, it's just that much more impressive because of how tough it actually is. You're always going to have that one unseen upset or that one blowout in the Big Ten. And, you know, we see multiple times this year, we've seen it with, you know, Ohio State went into Penn State, and that was a big win for Ohio State to be able to go out on the road and win. You saw Ohio State destroy Michigan at home, and then you saw... Purdue beat Ohio State at home, and it's just those things where losing on the road should not be as big of an issue for some of these teams unless it's a blowout in case of Purdue versus Ohio State or Michigan versus Ohio State. But losing on the road is a little bit less of an embarrassment than it is for some of these other schools and these other conferences because, you know, you even heard... Uh, Nick Saban say it this year that he was disappointed in the student section of Alabama and how they weren't coming out with force like they should. And you never fail to find that in a Big Ten stadium. And I feel like that's what makes Big Ten the toughest conference to play in, not necessarily the best. I think the best is a very subjective term just because it's all how you look at it. But I think when it comes to toughest, the Big Ten will always be the toughest conference to play in just because of how hard it is to actually go on the road and win. So the Big Ten and the SEC are clearly the top two conferences in football. I feel like it's going to be that way until either the Big 12 or the ACC are able to find that other school to kind of push them over the top because, you know, the Big 12, it's a video game conference. It's always going to be fun to watch just because of how much offense gets put up. But right now, they're just kind of missing that extra one or two teams that's going to make the schedule a little bit more competitive. You know, we look at teams like Kansas, who don't really play well a whole lot. Baylor, who's been down in recent years. And TCU, who was expected to be better this year, but still didn't play very well. You know, you've got teams like Oklahoma who are going to continue to do good just because they're on top, so they're getting the recruits. And they're going to continue to put up points. But in the end, if you're just putting up a bunch of points and your defense sucks, you're going to probably win more games in your conference just because you have the better offense. And then when you get into the real situations, you're going to lose because you're facing actual defenses. And it's kind of like I said earlier with OU is that I think that they are going to 
have a hard time playing Bama because it's a defense that they've never really seen. But I think what helps them this year is that game against Army where they had to go into overtime and play, and they had to play the defensive gritty kind of football. And I do think that that kind of gives them some help. I think that it allows them to understand how tough it's going to be to beat Bama at that game. But in the end, until we see some kind of defense show up in the Big 12, it's always going to be overlooked. It's always going to be considered kind of a joke of a conference just because of how video game-like it is. And then I could sit here and I could talk about the ACC, but truth is, the football teams just suck. You always have, not all the football teams, but the conference as a whole, I guess you could say suck. Because you're always going to have Clemson until they fall off. And I keep saying until they fall off because you never know when a recruiting class isn't going to pan out and all of a sudden one year of bad recruiting could potentially lead to a downfall of a whole program. But it's true. Like you look at Clemson, they're really the only good team that's consistent in the ACC. They typically have on average two really good teams and then maybe one or two mediocre teams up at the top within everyone else is just kind of average. And I say average because they're playing other average teams. So they're going out and getting 500 records against teams that are otherwise 500 or worse. And then you've got teams like you've got Clemson. And then in previous years, it's been Miami or Syracuse that have been kind of that other big team. And this year they kind of had Syracuse was up there at one point. BC was up there at one point. NC State was up there at one point. But they were all average in the end. And I just feel like until we see someone other than Clemson step up consistently in the ACC. It's going to continue to be a joke football conference to me. And obviously, I am not a pro at all of this. I don't study football night in and night out. It's not my constant job. These are all opinions. But in the end, I think that when you look at strength of conferences, and it's really tough to gauge them just because how each conference differs. But when you look at strength of conferences, I think you have to put Big 10 on top, SEC at two, Big 12 at three, and then ACC down at the bottom. And, you know, that is just including the teams that were kind of up towards the top this year. You've still got the Pac-12 who consistently has teams up there around the top, maybe not necessarily at the best, that kind of rounds out that Power 5 conference. I think that if you were to slide the Pac-12 in there, Pac-12 has got to be in at three above the Big 12, but below the SEC. I think that you could probably move two and three, or three and four back and forth. I think you could move Pac-12, Big 12. But, you know, ACC has to stay at the bottom, and one and two are going to be Big 10 and the SEC. And if you want to argue with me, you know, let me know. DM me on Instagram. Comment on any picture that I post about the college football playoffs. You know, let me know. I want to have these conversations with you. I want to have these arguments and debates with you guys because I want you guys to be involved so let me know maybe I will bring you on for another college football playoff podcast and we can argue about it we can talk about it and I just I want other people's opinions I don't want it to just be me talking at you guys so go ahead and let me know and before I finish this I do really just want to touch on this because it's something that I feel like has been bothering me since the inception of the college football playoffs and that's the fact that there's only four teams And there was a comment on one of my Instagram posts about expanding it to an eight-team field and how it's tough to do that because they don't get paid and they have all these issues with it. And I understand where you're coming at. And I'm pulling the comment up right now so that I can read it. It was from Jack Hancock. I don't want to 
call you out. You seem like a cool person. If you want to talk, you know, by any means, let me know. DM me on Instagram. We can have a conversation. Maybe I can even bring you on for a podcast to debate, like I said earlier. But he said, football is such a physically demanding sport, which is very obvious. This makes it so players need more time to regenerate, especially when they're in college. I mean, these are students. This is why four teams is good. And I'm not disagreeing with you guys. Clearly, football is a physically demanding sport. Clearly, it's a tough sport. And, you know, for college students that aren't out there getting paid and, you know, they're having to kind of sacrifice some other areas of their schoolwork. I don't see an issue with expanding it to eight teams. I'm not saying, hey, let's jump to 16 plus right now. Maybe at some point we can figure out a way to put that system in of 16 plus teams to really get it interesting. But I think right now, a jump to eight teams is not too crazy. It is increasing one game for these teams that really want to play. You look at it like this. You take out some of these lower level bowl games. I'm just going to name off a few bowl games that have been happening, which you may not have even known were going on. There was a bowl game the other night between Tulane and the University of Louisiana Lafayette. Utah State, which I didn't even know had a football team, played North Texas in a bowl game. Georgia Southern played Eastern Michigan. Appalachian State played Middle Tennessee. And these are all bowl games that have happened since the beginning of bowl season. Right there are just a few sets of games that you could take out that probably aren't getting a whole lot of viewership for the NCAA and put in four games right there, four extra games needed for the CFP at the beginning of the bowl season to knock these teams out and get it to the four teams and then have it the same way you do. So you have these Four extra games right there at the beginning for the quarterfinals of the of the college football playoffs. You play those games at the beginning of December. You leave the national semifinal games as they are right now, and then the college football playoff championship at the end of the year, obviously. I don't think that it's that crazy to think about. And, you know, like I said, it's only four games total that the NCAA has to add. It's not like they're adding you know, 16 games or some crazy amount of games. It's four games. It could be all played on one weekend, a Friday and a Saturday. And, you know, you play two games Friday, two games Saturday, or play all four games Saturday if you really want to. It increases viewership for some of these lesser bowl games that right now don't get a whole lot of viewership outside of, you know, the alumni and the students that are actually at these colleges. And it makes it interesting because you get teams such as UCF, who has been undefeated the past two years and been on that line of should they be in or should they not and always fall on they should they not because they don't play in a strong conference you know it, it just puts in that kind of extra question mark and it makes it tougher for teams like Bama to continue to go out and win every year you know I I'm going to kind of name off some of the hypothetical matchups if they were to do it this way and according to the final rankings it was Alabama Washington would be the one versus eight 4-5 would be Georgia-Oklahoma, 3-6 would be Notre Dame-Ohio State, and then we would see Clemson-UCF at the 2-7. Now, I think that it should probably be changed. I think that it would be smarter to go Ohio State-Oklahoma in the 4-5, and then 3-6 should be Notre Dame-Georgia. That's what I think I would kind of like to see. I would leave the other two matchups the same of Alabama-Washington and Clemson-UCF. But, you know, you sit back and you look at that and all of a sudden you see, okay, some of these teams may not make it to the championship. You know, you may see Clemson upset in the first round against UCF or 
you know, you might see Alabama only make it to the semifinals instead of just, you know, essentially it seems like they're always given a free ride because they're always given the easier of the two matchups. And I feel like expanding it this one game would not affect that much. It would make it tougher, and I, my dad pointed this out to me, and I kind of understand it from that perspective that it's tougher to kind of make money off of having it like that just because they don't have as much time to promote the games, I guess you could say. right? I mean, right now they put out these matchups at the end of November, and it goes for almost an entire month. But that's why you replace these beginning bowl games with the bowl games that matter for the college football playoffs. That way you have two, three weeks in between to promote those games and for these teams to prepare for, you know, the semifinal game that they go out and have. And I just feel like, you know, those people that say we can't have a college football playoff system bigger than four teams because it wouldn't work clearly do not understand that there's another college football system out there that has a playoff system of more than four teams and it's been working continuously. The FCS has a football championship series, hence the name FCS, every year. There's eight nationally ranked teams, and then you have games that you have to play in for. So there's eight play-in games, plus the eight nationally ranked, and you know those extra few games make all the difference because you you always see someone that's not North Dakota State kind of vying for that spot you know North Dakota State has somehow kind of had like a Bama hold on the FCS the past several years but in the end they have a playoff system that works and the reason why I'm not advocating to switch to that exact system is for kind of what the Instagram comment said is that it does have this extra kind of physicality and I think that if we were able to figure something out for those extra games it would be nice to see it expand to that at some point But right now, I think that there's no reason why we can't go to an eight-team playoff system that has the first four games played at the beginning of December. It's one extra game. While it is extra pressure on those college students, most of the college students that go to these schools want to play for these games, and they want the chance, and they want to go out and make themselves look good. And that makes them sound really narcissistic, but that's not how I meant it. They just want to go out and show that they can play and that they deserve to be on that big stage. So I don't, I'm not really sure why they haven't at least looked into this and maybe they have, and they're going to switch at some point. I'm not really sure. I don't think they're going to switch anytime soon just because the four team system always gives them a story for the upcoming year. It's always got the underdog story. You know, it seems like it's quite typically Georgia and Ohio state. that are always kind of like that underdog story. So I don't expect to see a change anytime soon. I think that, they should change to the eight teams for the reasons that I said. And, you know, maybe they'll look into it. Maybe they are looking into it. And maybe in a few years, you know, we'll see that. I don't know. But in the end, I'm going to kind of give my prediction for how we see it falling out this year. While I think that Bama OU offers the closest game of the championship series, I think that Bama wins it in the end over OU. I think that Notre Dame beats Clemson. And in the end, I think, you know, that championship Bama of, against Notre Dame. I think Bama wins it all again this year. I think we go into next year hoping that someone can dethrone Bama. We'll see what happens. But that's kind of how I see it. I think that not only is it the closest game between Bama and OU, I think it's probably one of the best games we've seen all season. Obviously, nothing's going to top the LSU A&M game that went into, what was it, seven overtimes, I think, by the time it ended. It's not going to be that good. 
but I do think it offers definitely the best game and best chance to see a fantastic game in the college football playoffs. So that's kind of how I see things this year. It's how I see college football in general. I love it. I hate to see college football leave. You know, it's always the best time of the year to me when college football, the NFL and baseball are all on TV because, you know, those are three of the best sports to watch. And it's, I mean, I guess it's only two sports, but like three of the best sets of sports, I guess. I don't really know how you want to look at it, but that's really all I've got. Like I said, if you guys have any questions, let me know. You can comment on our posts on Instagram. We encourage you to comment and interact with us. You can DM us on Instagram. I'm constantly responding. You know, I'm always available to talk. If you don't have Instagram, you know, you can email us at Gmail. We have our Gmail set up for benchwarmingpod at gmail.com. I've got that constantly loaded on my phone and on my computer when I'm at work and everything. And always looking to answer questions, always looking to help people out. If you guys want to see us do any kind of specific podcast on a sport or anything like that, let us know. If we're not on a platform that you want to see us on, if you want to see us on a specific kind of smaller podcasting platform or just like radio platform, let us know. We'll try and reach out to that company and get on there. But we love you for staying around. You know, share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, dads, cousins, aunts, uncles, coworkers. Help us out. Help us help you by giving you sports information that's kind of unfiltered. I mean, these are my raw thoughts, and maybe you think I'm crazy for thinking this stuff. I don't know, but it's raw. It's how I see it. I'm not being influenced by some big-name sports company in a bigger city like New York, Chicago, L.A., something like that. I'm just kind of coming from the Midwest. So, once again, let us know. Reach out to us on these platforms. Uh, Instagram. We do have a Facebook. I'm not really on it that much. I'm not on my own Facebook that much. Same thing with Twitter. I'm considering just deleting the Twitter page as a whole because of how little I use my own. And I just don't use the benchwarming Twitter that much. So, preferably reach out to us on Instagram or send us an email. Let us know. And that's really all I got for you guys. So until next time, see you later.